You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And hello, good morning, good afternoon to everyone out there listening to us here live on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I'm your host for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio's live call-in show, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And um, we want to hear from you. So I'm going to give you some easy ways to get a hold of us. Number one, the phone call, the good old-fashioned toll-free number, 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. Easy, easy. You can also join us right here online. You can log on to Pet Life Radio. You can follow the prompts to our show, Ask the with Dr. Jeff. And there is going to be a link that our wonderful producer, Mark Winter, has sent you. It's logged on. It's, it's, it's printed here on the website. Click on the link and you can actually join us live. Just make sure you have your phone with the camera going or make sure you have your computer, your laptop with the with the camera and we can see you. We'll be able to see your pet. Hopefully you're calling in because you have a pet question. Speaking of which, free advice, everybody. Cost you nothing, a little bit of time. Ask questions about your pet, whatever you want to ask. We're going to talk about uh, one of the emergencies that actually interesting I got last night, which led me to think about, you know, what, God, you know, from a perspective, from a client's perspective, I can imagine how frightening some of these things could be. And um, who's going to be there for you at 10 p.m. that you know and trust? You know, you can call one of those emergency centers. You know what they want to do. They want you to come in and spend thousands of dollars. So how do you get through? What kind of questions do you ask? What is that really, really serious problem? And what might you be able to wait? What you might be able to go in and get some minor treatment until your regular veterinarian comes in the next day. So we'll talk about second half hour. I want to uh, thank our sponsors who are helping us be here. Number one is ProSense Pet Products, Save This Life Microchip, one of our new sponsors. I've been promoting them anyway because I really like them, and that is the Merck's new Brevecto. It's a three-month, get that, three-month tasty oral chewable treat protecting your pets against fleas and ticks. One of the ticks, may I think it's two months, but generally... It's pretty good protection. I'm really happy with that product. And I was, you know, I have a client who was telling me that her dog doesn't eat anything. She was worried because it's, you know, it's a decent size. And, and how is she going to you know, put that down in the pet's throat? Because dogs don't eat anything. So I said, well, let me see. So I opened the pack right there. This dog literally chowed this thing out of my hand. So that was pretty good. And um, of course, KVP Kong's More Than a Cone, which is raising awareness for animal welfare through the arts. And just last night was at least the local more Than a Cone charity event. For those of you who aren't familiar with More Than a Cone, KVP, which is Kong Veterinary Products, I'm sure you've all heard of Kong. So they have a veterinary division and they make a lot of things to help us, the veterinarian, to help you and your pets. So it's not like just toys. It's kind of smarter stuff, things that are more therapeutic. And um, of course, they are one of the manufacturers of both the hard plastic and the different types of soft and cones and the blow up kind of cones that go around the neck. That's not really a cone. It's like an inner tube just to help Prevent your pets from licking, biting, chewing at their incisions, at their lesions, at their wounds, whatever. And um, so they, you know, everybody calls that cone the cone of shame. I mean, it's, it, it, you know, the e collar, the, we call it the lampshade collar. Dogs are, you know, I, I joke around that when they wear that, they pick up an extra 40 channels on the TV. But that's what it looks like. It looks like a satellite dish. So they 
wanted to sort of bring more attention to the cone. You can't, you shouldn't laugh at a dog who's wearing it. You know, he's wearing it for a good reason. So what they did is they commissioned world famous artists to paint the cones, to incorporate cones in their own artwork. And then they auction them off at raffles and to raise money for, for pets, raise money for shelter rescue. And they do really an amazing job. And instead of Wearing that cone of shame, hopefully the dog could wear a work of art. What they're ultimately planning on doing is taking some of these designs, incorporating them into the cones, into the manufacturers of the cone. And that way it will, as your dog is wearing that shameful device, it actually is wearing a work of art. I think it's really cool. And again, the purpose behind it, of course, is to raise money to help pets and uh, help rescue. And I think that's amazing. So anyway, it was a fun event, music, a lot of you know big rescue groups were there. Some amazing dogs was there. There was one dog there. His name is Iggy. One of the rescues I work with is called Angel City Pits. And this dog is an American Bulldog. And his head is so huge. It's, it's like a, you could put a dinner plate on it. And the sweetest dog on the planet. So as soon as I saw him there, he was with us earlier in the week and last week. Uh, he was just pulled from a shelter. So I'm sitting there and I see this magnificent, huge-headed, white American Bulldog. And I go, oh, my God, that's Iggy. And he he was so adorable. All these people, he's literally jumping up and giving major tongue. And um, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, dogs get rescued. It was food. It was really, it was a very nice event. It was a place called the Autry Museum at Griffith Park. You know, of course, the Gene Autry Museum, which is also interesting in its own right. And the people that came got a chance to go through the museum as well. So it was a very fascinating event. Also, remember, I want you to give us a call if you have any pet questions, 877-385-8882. Hopefully, they've added up because the last two weeks, we were not here live. One week ago was a Holly weekend. The week before that, I was uh, back east. And um, I got to do some Fox stuff, though. And uh, I did two segments for Fox News Edge. That's really cool. We did basically what, what Fox News Edge does is we will record the pieces and they get them edited and then they send them out on the wire. And so what happens is they all the Fox affiliates pick these stories up. One was all about boredom. Now that kids are back at school, days are going to be getting shorter. Uh, your days probably are going to be getting busier. And what do you do about your pets? I mean, they had so much fun during the summer. Everybody was home and it was nice outside. And, and they were spending time outside. They're running. They were going for walks and all that good stuff. All of a sudden, as we're going to enter fall and kids are back in school, it can get kind of boring. So well, you know, what kinds of things that we should be doing and being aware of to help our pets through this transition as we're going to get into that couch potato winter. And the other piece was, which I'm getting a lot of interest on, it's amazing, and that is marijuana for pets, cannabis for pets. And, you know, I guess because of its legalization in certain states, two of those states, interestingly, have veterinary schools. So there's now a lot of research going on about cannabis and pets and studying things like uh, anxiety, cancer treatment, inflammation, pain, epilepsy seizures. So uh, there's a, a lot of work that there that has been stemming from some of the research in humans. And, you know, the problem has always been, whether you agree or disagree, we're not going to get into that, that it has been basically the FDA schedule is what we call a class one drugs, which means like, like heroin or something, you can't prescribe it even if you wanted to. The most that we can prescribe is class two. So it really is, has been difficult because it's not been available. And then you hear empirically and anecdotally all of these stories about people 
And we, we know the problem for pets is that we know what the, what we call the LD50, which is the toxic lethal dose, where 50% of pets that have been on it will, will die from the dose. And that's about three milligrams per kilogram of the pure cannabis with the THC. So the issue is we don't know all the therapeutics. So it's really hard to study the limits of therapeutic doses until we really understand better what the toxic doses are. So we know lethal dose, but we don't know necessarily toxic dose where it's dangerous. They may not die. In fact, it's, I think it reported only very few deaths for pets that have gotten into the edibles, the, the marijuana, whatever. And most of those were from what they call pot butter because I don't bake and I don't bake with that stuff anyway. I can't tell you what pot butter is used for, but apparently it is one of the more potent forms. And two dogs on the, the searches that we've gotten into that um, have died from the toxicity, but that's rare. So um, anyway, that story should be out there at some point on Fox News Ed. So you might be watching your Fox affiliate at some place sometime, and uh, there my story will be. So I um, wanted to also, um, I'd like to peruse, as you all know, some of the websites. A couple of things. Uh, number one, if you live in Pennsylvania, be careful. Rabies, a rabid cat and a rabid raccoon have been identified and the cat bit its owner who's now undergoing those rabies shots, those injections. So um, it's still out there, everybody. You know, people think they start getting so complacent about vaccines when it comes to things like rabies, which has tremendous zoonotic potential, human health hazards as well, not to mention the deadly disease for the pet. So uh, one needs to be very careful. In Michigan, which I think is really cool, they are now going to allow, now I'm so used to this because we have this in California all over the place, but a lot of restaurants, mostly because of the good weather, have allowed for outdoor seating and people are allowed to bring their pets. Well, now Michigan is going to allow that any restaurants that have patios, that people can bring their pets as long as any pet that's being left outside is going to be at least attended by someone 18 years of age or older and that they definitely clean up and sweep up after the pets have gone. Oh, speaking of rabies, by the way, a rabid bat was also discovered in Idaho. Yeah, bats aren't something that most of us uh, want to play with anyway, <laughs> even if it doesn't have rabies. So that might be uh, you know less of a concern, but they can be little nasty buggers, those bats. The story about dog parks, and you know everybody, myself included, love taking dogs to dog parks. However, one needs to understand you really need to know your dog because dog parks can be fun, but they're not fun for every dog. And if your dog is one of the less social types, one that wants to attack every other dog there, one that is so fearful it hides under the picnic table, it may not be the best place for your dog. So I think that, that it's very important that when you're considering taking dogs to a dog park, that you kind of keep that in mind that do, do I have the right? I know it's good for you because sometimes you get to play. I'm sure you get to socialize. We have a thing here called Runyon Canyon, which is a great trail. So it's great exercise for you as well. But you want to make sure that your dog, you have the right dogs for the uh, dog park. And then when we come back, I have a shocker about the top 10 most dangerous jobs in America. And it might just blow your mind uh, what some of those jobs are. Anyway, don't go away. We'll uh, be right back after a brief intermission and words from some of our sponsors here on Pet Life Radio. Don't go away. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. 
beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. designerpetsweaters.com we mature, handsome types need a little special attention. Does your dog suffer from joint and arthritis pain? Deteriorating muscle and joint problems are very common in aging dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense joint care products can help make your dog's life as pain-free as possible, providing effective relief for flare-ups and also lubricate and strengthen damaged cartilage. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Are you having trouble getting the word out about your new pet product or invention? Let Whitegate PR open the gate to your marketing and public relations efforts. We've been specializing in public relations in the pet industry for over a decade. From press releases to media relations and publicity to pet trade shows and launch events to social media, the pet-friendly team at Whitegate PR has you covered. If you listen to the wise words of Bill Gates, he says, if I had $1 left, I'd spend it on PR. Learn more at whitegatepr.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, and welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And um, uh, we were just uh, going through some uh, some news briefs that we see online, and there was one that caught my eye, and I thought it was kind of interesting. I, I certainly a chuckle, and it was all about the top ten most dangerous jobs in America. And here, I, I, a little bit comical, maybe, but but one of the the uh, number ten on the list was veterinarian. I thought, oh my God, that's so funny. I just want to go through some lists. This is not in any particular order. They had an order, but I just, I just, you know, was just taking some notes about some of the jobs. Right. Firefighters, I think you'd buy that. EMTs, emergency medical technicians, police officers, of course, construction workers, corrections officers. You may not want to get a job in a jail. Nursing assistants, a little surprised by that one. I think sick people could be just as dangerous as sick dogs and cats, maybe. I don't know. Taxi drivers. Talk about road range. And certainly, and I think whatever taxi driver is on the list, taxi driver in New York City is going to be even higher. Truck drivers, and of course, veterinarian. So, you know, I, I guess when you think about it, you know, even for, for like a small animal practitioners, yeah, it's the dogs and the cats. It's a couple of bites. I've been bitten before. Cat scratches, cat scratch fever. But I think when you get into some of the exotics or zoo vets, equine, you know, these racetrack vets, I mean, horses can be pretty tough. Large animal vets. Farm animals. I mean, that's why oh, farmers was on that list as well. And, uh, you know, one of the things that was interesting is that that when you think, when I, I remember I was in veterinary school, we went to do some work on a farm on a ranch, and it was a dairy. And um, they, off in the distance, I mean, way off in the distance, was a huge, huge corral with one bull. And nobody wants to go near the bull. I mean, they are really, really mean. 
And um, so they have to be separate because everything's done AI because artificial insemination, because they are really nasty creatures and very mean. I guess bullfighting is a dangerous sport for a reason. This was dangerous jobs in America. If it was in the world, I'm sure bullfighters would be up there. But the bull at the time, this is going back 35 years. That bull then was syndicated while it was so protected out there all by itself, safe for three and a half million dollars. That was back in 1980 or 81. So I can only imagine what producing bull would be worth nowadays in syndication. So um, when you think of just, just what some of these horses are worth, it's kind of insane. But anyway, the only good news to this story, which also lent me a little bit of a, a chuckle, is of all that list of 10, the veterinarian had the highest annual average salary. So at least if you're, if you're going to put yourself in harm's way, you may as well get paid better for it. Some of these jobs, I'm talking, some of these jobs were $25,000, $30,000 a year. And, um, you know, to be working a dangerous job like that, I don't know, you might want to think twice. Go back to school, get an education, get a degree. That might be better off. And one more acute story was a uh, story, this is coming out of the United Kingdom, that a dog parked himself in front of a human hospital. He was sitting out there for one week while his owner was in the hospital being treated. And uh, people were coming by and feeding it. He would not leave. He wasn't allowed inside, so he just sat outside. Uh, waiting for his owner to come out. That is really, really sweet. That's a loyal dog. Anyway, last night, I'm at the More Than a Cone event, and I get a call from one of my clients that their dog, a Labrador Retriever, five years old, beautiful yellow lab, had been vomiting since 3 a.m. And it would vomit, it would eat a little something. Stools were normal initially, and then it went after like a a 10 a.m. vomiting episode. It was fine for the rest of the day. So at five o'clock and change, they tried to feed him dinner, and he ate. Uh, Mind you, he's a Labrador. But within 10 minutes, it was all back up again. So, of course, the first question I asked was, is his stomach bloated? Does he feel like he's like his stomach is getting huge, like a rock? Why? For anyone who has a large breed, deep-chested dog knows that when they are starting to tours, a gastric tours, and a GDV, we call it, a gastric dilatation volvulus, the stomach blows up and rotates on its axis, blocking off both ends, medical, surgical emergency. So, of course, my first concern, but he said, no, no, the belly was, if anything, he looked sunken in. So I said, okay, what's the gum color? His gum color was okay. I said, you know, with that many episodes and the fact that, you know, hours later he, he ate something again and vomited, I'm worried. And knowing a, a young Labrador, again, I, I have them, I've had them for 40 plus years. I know labs pretty well. I said, I'm worried about he ate something. It's an obstruction. They don't vomit like this necessarily. And this often, and the fact soon, very soon after he ate on the last go round. So I said, take him into one of the emergency facilities, have them at least take an x-ray. Let me take a look, send me the x-ray. So sure enough, he goes into one of the better facilities I send him to, and they send me the x-rays. And there is a very, very suggestive pattern. And that's, that's the hard part. I actually talked to the surgeon on call who took a look at the x-rays as well. And we're sitting there on the phone. I'm looking at the, he's looking at the x-rays. And the, you know, the point I want to make is that no medicine, veterinary medicine, human medicine, you name it, is not an exact science. We are often faced with some choices. And as I often joke to my clients, you know, the day I graduated veterinary school, my crystal ball broke. And it's been in the shop for the last 32 years. And no one's been able to fix it for me. And I don't have one. So when, when asked and often asked, well, doc, what do you think is going to, you know, what do you think we should do? And when you have one that there's, there was nothing classic about it. It wasn't a hundred percent. Sometimes you take an x-ray, you see the corn cob, you see the obstruction, you see the device, the, whatever it is in the intestine. And then in front of it, you see all this huge dilation. We didn't have that. 
Also, though, we did have some dilatation and some weird clumping in one area of the intestine, but the dog wasn't in, in extreme pain. So he, the, the surgeon and I are talking, you know, and I say to clients sometimes, you have to think about the downside, the upside. We can cut. In fact, the surgeon, he told me this just happened to him last week. It was one of the same cases. They cut on the dog and sure enough, they got in there and it was no foreign body. It was just a clump of gas and there was some irritation and, and what we call enteritis. And that was causing the problem, but it, there was nothing to remove. But at least they knew now that there was nothing to remove. So it's not completely a waste. Sometimes you do a test, you do a surgery and you find nothing. All right. It's not a waste because you, now you have your answer, your definitive answer that you don't have to worry. It's nothing, nothing serious. But this case, he wasn't able to say that. But he also, and I agreed with him, there's enough here that the owners would have not been wrong to cut, but it very well could have been nothing. So what we finally decided is why don't we put the dog on fluids? Sometimes when you have a dog with a kind of an obstruction, IV fluids is just great. It really rehydrates and rehydrates. It gets the gut motility working again. The stuff was sort of at the back end of the intestinal tract, hoping we usually want a foreign body, makes it finally into the colon, it's going to pass. So if we can, sometimes we'll, we'll see that. We'll, it's so close, we'll milk it into the colon and, and then go. But there's also an area called the ileocecocolic junction. It's just where the ileum, which is the second part of the small intestine, meets with a vestige structure called the cecum, and then it goes into the colon. So it's ileocecocolic junction. And at that point, if, uh, that's where a lot of times things get stuck. And if you can just get them through that point and they get into the colon, oh my God, the colon is much wider. The colon stretches more. And so then usually these things will pass. So anyway, bottom line is, as I'm here talking to you, we're waiting for the morning x-rays to compare them and see, are things moving? Are things changing? And one of the things that we can do now, which we didn't have conveniently many, many moons ago, is not only can we look at x-rays, but we can also look at an ultrasound. An ultrasound can show us more clearly sometimes if there is an object that's in there that's blocking, that is not radio opaque, meaning it won't show up on an x-ray, you can't pick it up on ultrasound. So we're waiting for the radiologist to come in, do an ultrasound, compare last night's x-rays to this morning's x-rays, and then we're going to know if, um, if we need to go in and cut on this poor dog. And of course, the owners don't want to cut. Nobody wants to spend a lot of money. And I mean, I, I was asking them, and again, prices differ. But here, this is a, a major emergency surgical facility in Los Angeles. And I asked the doc, I said, just curiously, I just so I can advise my client, what are we looking at if it turns out not? We, we just have to open up, explore, and then, you know, then we're done. And he says, oh, you're probably looking at, oh, maybe you know, four and a half to 5,000. That's a lot of money to just go take a peek. So that's also been one of the issues that we're dealing with. But next week, I promise you, I will let you know how it goes because we're uh, sort of in the throes right now. I believe they are just going to be doing the ultrasound soon and see what we are going to do with this poor dog. Anyway, I want to thank you for joining me here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets. Once again, we did not hear from you. I would love to hear from you, 877-385-8882. If you are the embarrassed or shy type and you don't want to call in live, you can always send me an email with your questions. We'd love to get them to drjeff, Dr. Jeff, at PetLifeRadio.com. And next week, if you get the courage, if you get the guts, open up your computer, sit in front of it, and log on with us to the link that Mark is going to send along. Uh, we, are, we may not be using Google Hangouts because we're understanding now that it may be joining with a YouTube. And, but we're going to be able to do live uh, on on the on, on camera, if if you will, 
um, a show, radio show, and that's why we're here. Uh, kind of like a simulcast like they do in sport. That's what we want to do for you. So if you have any questions for the week, you know how to get a hold of me. Dr. Jeff, Dr. Jeff, PetLifeRadio.com. And next week, I want to hear from you, 877-385-8882. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, More Than a Cone, who had a great event last night. Hopefully, they did very well. To Merck's Bravecto, to ProSense Pet Products, and, of course, Save This Life Microchip. We're still waiting to have my good friend Chance White on the air live with us to talk about some new things about microchipping, uh, problems with the uh, the industry, uh, with one or two companies that aren't joining in the fold and getting, getting uh, all their microchips ISO certified. So uh, we'll talk about that when we have a chance on the phone. All right. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week right here live on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.